When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the crack, never change me and my son the rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm solid, could touch the blue part of the flame, the blue part of the flame. And nothing else. I just want to roll with those in the bottom. Well, This sports comedy podcast that wants to announce Tom Brady's retirement on my own terms. I'm your host, Adam Weinrib, not Schefter, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, not Spotify if I could, but I don't have that Neil Young poll, on Rooney Mara and Ja Rule's podcast, The Rooney Rule, and editing 15 pictures of seafood out of Tom Brady's retirement announcement. Big, old, overflowing show today where I sit down to talk with Taylor Lautner, thanks to Courtyard by Marriott, then chat with one of the surviving New Jersey girls high school soccer champion, Yellow Jackets, so let's take a quick old trip through the headlines. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Kansas City Chiefs to advance to the Super Bowl. We did it, Joe! The Chiefs blew a 21-3 first half lead, probably because of some late arriving curse for Jackson Mahomes dancing on a Sean Taylor memorial. Of course, Kansas City will be right back here next year as long as nobody changes the overtime rules. After the game, Burrow smoked one of his famous victory cigars, and Tyreek Hill threw a hissy fit wondering why he couldn't smoke Eli Apple. On the NFC side, Matthew Stafford and the Rams have moved on, even though Kyle Shanahan totally backed out on his promise to play the second half without timeouts. What the hell, man? Totally left your boy Sean McVay hanging. McVay snapped a six-game losing streak to the Niners on the biggest stage, pulling off a coup and trading Carson Wentz to San Fran for the final drive of the game. Now the question in San Francisco turns to Jimmy Garoppolo's future, considering it's way harder to monetize as an Instagram model these days. Too much competition in the space, plus everyone knows him as the quarterback that just gagged the Super Bowl runaway, so... This is the second straight Super Bowl where one team will play at their home stadium, but also, did you see the Sands last week? Not really. All of Cincinnati's gonna be out there trying to treat Inglewood like a pile of spaghetti and take a big old dump on it. Of course, the conference championships were the only pieces of football news this week. Oh, right. Tom Bradley retired. Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington reported on Saturday that the greatest quarterback of all time planned to hang him up, but Brady's dad denied it, and Brady himself called the Bucks and said he remained undecided. Then he called Bill Belichick, but it was a prank call where he claimed to be Brian Flores. Of course, Brady finally retired on Tuesday morning, but did not thank the Patriots whatsoever in his Instagram post. Geez, wonder what was the scandal that finally broke the camel's back over there. Spygate, fine. Orchids of Asia, a-okay, something really bad must have happened to sever that relationship, like sneaking an eggplant into someone's kale smoothie bag. 
He wrote that Instagram post in a nightshade rage. It was legitimately hilarious to watch NFL Network and ESPN over the weekend cutting from Brady denying his retirement right back to a four-hour roundtable of Teddy Bruschi, Randy Moss, and Rex Ryan counting down his top 10 cold-weather breath clouds. Just no acknowledgement of what the man himself was saying. It's like if CNN ran a live feed of a Joe Biden speech, then cut back to the studio with, if you're just joining us, President Biden has, of course, disappeared. By far the best part about Brady leaving the Patriots two years ago has finally come to light this week. Middle-aged Pats fans absolutely short-circuiting at congratulatory graphics where he's wearing, like, half a Bucks helmet, just spamming the comments going, he used to play for a small-time outfit called the New England Patriots for a couple years, FYI. The NFL social media team should take a crash course in history. Truly, two decades of watching him beat my ass has all been worth it to watch Southie mass download MS Paint to do their own little pictures. Anyway, now that Brady's gone, we can all admit Deflategate was a scam, right? Okay, good. What a weird little scam. Anything else? Oh yeah, a huge thing. The NFL might be brought down by a lawsuit because after scrolling through 1,200 Bill Belichick text messages about cheating, money laundering, and hidden cameras, they found one where he texted the wrong Brian. Former Dolphins coach Brian Flores has sued the Giants, Dolphins, and the entire league alleging racist hiring practices. Flores also alleged that Dolphins owner Steven Ross offered him $100,000 for every loss during the Joe Burrow tanking season, but Flores refused. So keep that in mind when anonymous people say Flores was, quote, difficult in Miami. They actually mean he didn't want to pull a 1919 White Sox and get banned from the NFL. New Bears head coach Matt Eberflus says he'll build the team's offense around Justin Fields, which is amazing news because he's their quarterback. What a lucky break. The city of Cincinnati has canceled school the day after the Super Bowl, but not as a kind gesture just to preempt the Omicron spike. New Raiders head coach Josh McDaniel said his failure in Denver prepared him for Las Vegas, the city with America's highest failure per capita. We'll finally get to see if McDaniels really did learn from his previous mistakes, because if not, we'll... Uh, wait, okay, sorry, he's back in New England giving a press conference. And now let's throw it to an anonymous NFL reporter standing on the field in Kansas City six hours before the AFC Championship game. Thank you! It's six hours before the AFC Championship game in frigid conditions, which you can tell because I'm in a winter hat and my fingernails, when they cross into the shot, are blue-gray. I know it seems like they've thrown to me so I can disseminate some interesting information about the matchup, but I assure you I have nothing. I'm just going to name a few players from the game and hope they join me out here on the field somewhere between 4 and 4.5 hours from now. I talked to Tyreek Hill this week, and he said very little to me because it was during practice and it was more like me screaming from the sidelines. Today's game should prove to be a battle of wills. Who can survive in the frigid cold conditions, but keep in mind, while they're battling, they're moving all the time, creating kinetic warming energy. Meanwhile, I am just standing here in a peacoat with no inner layer. Regardless, the most important thing about today's matchup is it's happening two full Lord of the Rings Return of the Kings from now. For the NFL Network, I'm a reporter you've never seen inside. And now, courtesy of Courtyard by Marriott, here's actor Taylor Lautner. What's up, Adam? What's up, man? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for uh, virtually being here. 
Perfect. So first of all, why don't you just tell me a little bit more about your relationship with Courtyard by Marriott and the 2022 Super Bowl sleepover suite at SoFi specifically. That's that's where you are right now, right? That is where I am right now. I'm not sure if I'm in heaven or there at the Courtyard Marriott suite. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've teamed up with Courtyard by Marriott. I'm giving the exclusive first look today of the Super Bowl sleepover suite where our lucky winners of the contest are going to be able to sleep here the night before the Super Bowl and be the first individuals to wake up in SoFi Stadium on Super Bowl Sunday. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like a dream. The game should be fairly nuts. Um, It's the Bengals and Rams. It's two teams that I don't think most of us expected to be here. Do you have an allegiance for this one? Who are you rolling with? Um, man, I like respect the heck out of the Bengals for making it this far. And it's just incredible to see what Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor have done with that franchise in a couple years. Um, but I, um, I'm such a diehard Matthew Stafford fan. That's why I'm rooting for the Rams. Um, it's about time for him to experience some well-deserved success. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for him and I, I hope to see, uh, him and my boy, Andrew Whitworth, bring this trophy home. Love it. That's what I was going to ask. I, I know you're a Lions fan. I didn't know if the Matthew Stafford emotions were, you know, conflicting or if you were just all in on getting him a ring. So I assume you're like 100% just happy for the guy. I'm all in on getting that dude a ring because he just like, he brought so much and gave so much to Detroit for so many years and love my Lions. But he um, he's just, I feel like he is one of the more underrated quarterbacks out there um so i would i'd love to see that guy take home a ring i know that you are a michigan fan too i don't know if you have any thoughts on jim harbaugh yesterday sort of doing the backslide and eventually ending up back with the wolverines i was sweating yesterday adam all day i was just getting texts from people all day being like man so who's michigan gonna hire i'm like what what are you talking about like (laughs) you reports um yeah i was really worried um although if he was going to go anywhere, I thought that that it, like that move to Minnesota would have made sense. Um, but I'm so happy. I'm happy that he's staying because, yeah, we had a, a great year last year. Um, didn't end the way that I wanted it to, but some serious progress. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's back. Good. I'm, I'm glad I caught you after he returned and not while we were still sort of waiting. Yesterday would have been awful. <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. Um, now you are you're back in home team with Kevin James, and you also appeared in Grown Ups too with him. How many more movies do you plan to do with Kevin James? Are you in Paul Blart Mall Cop too, or is this the start of a you know endless relationship with Kevin? I would be so down for that. I would work with Kevin James for the the rest of my career if I could. Um, he is just, I mean, I've always been such a big fan of his and, you know, his movies. Um, but after working with him on, on Grown Ups and on this, now I'm even more of a fan because of the the human being that he is. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hard to, to come by people who are just so genuine and, um, terrific um as he is so that I, I would i would love the opportunity to continue working with him for many years to come because he's just wonderful 
And what a wild time for the movie to get released. Sean Payton announcing he's stepping down, basically in conjunction with this cycle. What's it been like following the story and promoting the film at the same time? Because I know you and Sean have a have a pretty big history together, right? Yeah, we do. But um, I didn't. I, I, just like everyone else, I was I was just as surprised. I mean. Yes and no. I was actually on a plane to New York City last week um, to promote the movie, and I was sleeping during the plane ride, and I woke up, and I turned over, and my fiance was there, and shes I've turned her into a, a football monster as well. And I wake up, and she's like, hey, Sean retired. I was like, what? <laughs> um, so, it, um, I mean, I saw it coming. I didn't see it coming, but as a Saints fan, I'm devastated. As a friend of Sean's, I'm so excited for him and this next chapter, you know, in his life. Um, and who knows, it may not be the last time we see him on a football field. We'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if you have any insight there. But what do you what do you suspect right now? I have zero insight whatsoever. But my gut is I, I would just guess that he might take a year or two to himself, you know, who knows, maybe he'll do some broadcasting. Maybe he'll just, you know, spend time with his wife and his kids. Um, but I think if the right opportunity arose in the next uh, few years, I could definitely see him, you know, jumping on that. So we'll see. Very cool. Um, so I'm a, I'm a comedy fan and I've got you here. I have to ask you hosted SNL and you did it at 17 years old, which I find insane. Anytime I get to talk to someone who's hosted the show, I have to dig. What What do you remember about that week and, and that whirlwind? Oh, my gosh. It's hard to even summarize because it, that was like that entire week went by, um, you know, by the blink of an eye. Um, I remember – I remember the – the dress rehearsal, you literally do an entire show with a live audience immediately before the actual live show, except you have like eight or nine skits during the dress rehearsal. And then you have like 30 minutes in between that dress rehearsal and the live show. And you go into Lauren Michaels office quick and he's like, okay, we're cutting this one, this one, this one, and this one. So we're stuck with these ones. And it's like, okay. And then I remember you know, in between the commercial breaks, you literally, you, you finish a skit and this, I, this lovely lady, I forget her name, but she's like the wardrobe lady. And she can't, she comes and she grabs you. She's sprinting you down a hall. She throws you into a quick dressing room. She rips all the clothes off your body, throws the new ones on, and you have to do this all in like less than two minutes. And it's just absolute insanity. Um, but really a, you know, once in a lifetime experience. And I'm just so lucky and blessed that I was able to, to do something like that at such a young age. It was such an honor. I'd love to know just a little bit more about your fitness routine too. I have a buddy who found out, I was talking to you today, who said you are his fitness inspiration. So I would be <laughs> remiss if I did not ask, how does your fitness routine survive so much stress, these tough times, and like a Super Bowl party's worth of snacks. Like, how do you eat a Super Bowl party's worth of snacks and then just go back to the, you know, the lab the next day? It's the worst, Adam. Um, <laughs> you know, my first of all, I let myself go last year. So the last year, I've been trying to um, shed off those Super Bowl parties and margaritas. Um, 
<laughs> but I mean, the fitness regimen for me has changed quite a bit because when I was 17, 18, 19 years old filming, you know, the Twilight movies and, you know, I had to put on 35 pounds of muscle. So I went from a skinny, scrawny, you know, boy having to put on, you know, pure muscle. That was just eat and consume as many calories as possible. No cardio, just heavy, heavy lifting. Um, and now I, I turn 30 in a week. Um, and it's, it's, unfortunately it's different these days. Now I have to count my calories and it's, uh, you know, a mixture of weightlifting with a lot of cardio. So it's, um, it's, it's not easy, but I am, I'm certainly gonna, I'm going to let myself go on Super Bowl Sunday and just enjoy that day for sure. Yeah, here, here, uh, me too, and then also the rest of the week, probably going to let myself go too. Um, <laughs> one last question before I let you go. Tom Brady retired this week, so I've got to ask, when that movie gets made, would you be willing to play Teddy Bruschi in the biopic? Teddy Bruschi? <laughs> Absolutely. That would be an honor. I mean, to be a part of uh, the GOAT's legacy in any way, I would I would jump on that opportunity, even if it's playing Teddy Bruschi. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Taylor. Looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday. Of course. Thanks, Adam. Enjoy it. Taylor Lautner, everybody. Man, he loves Andrew Whitworth. Anybody else pick up on that? I, I wish I had asked a follow-up there. Very cool. Under duress of time. Otherwise, I probably would have. Thank you to Courtyard by Marriott for the opportunity. And now, an exclusive interview with someone else from the Yellow Jackets plane crash who you might not remember. In 1996, a New Jersey high school girls soccer team crash-landed in the woods of Canada on their way to a national tournament, but the Showtime series Yellow Jackets doesn't tell all of their stories. So here with me today is Brenda Nebins, the forgotten Yellow Jacket. Brenda, thanks so much for being so open about what happened out there. Well, thanks, Adam. A lot of the girls are scared to talk about what happened out there. But honestly, just like the carcass of a deer, I am wide open. Ask away. All right. Well, we watched on the show the harrowing moments right after the plane crashed. What do you remember from that day? So after the impact, a couple of us went off to look for some edible mosses, and we pretty quickly got separated from Jackie, Shauna, and the gang. Sun started to set, and we hadn't found anything. So end of day one, I tricked our backup forward into walking into a bear trap, and then I ate it for sustenance. <laughs> Sorry, is literal day one cannibalism? Yeah, I, I wasn't like weird about it. I didn't do a ceremony. I just ate a lady. Plus, we had no other choice. What? No, you definitely did. Everyone back at the crash site was eating like Snackwell's cookies. Yeah, as I found out later. <laughs> okay, so eventually you link back up with the group, yes? Well, sure, but not for long. I head back to camp on a full stomach and I've got all the energy in the world for some reason. Because you already ate a person. Yeah, that's part of it. Plus my natural metabolism. So I get back, I'm running around everywhere. I'm asking everyone if they want to play Moncala with the board I bought. Remember Moncala? It's 1996. Yep. I challenge Coach Ben to a race because I'm so much faster than him. And I say I can beat him on one leg. And that did not go over well because I had no idea. He lost a leg after the crash. No, that he was gay. What? 
So from that moment on, I'm kind of on the outs with the crew. I'm like, Jackie, I kept you secret when you said you hated Shauna. And Shauna, I kept you a secret when you said you hated Jackie. And somehow that just made things a whole lot worse. That damn camp was like a hormonal hornet's nest. Hey, is that why we were called the Yellow Jackets? I, I don't know, Brenda. It's your mascot. And, and again, this is... 6 a.m. the morning of day two. Why did you wake everyone up? I couldn't sleep. Again, natural high from eating my friend and unnatural high from smuggling cocaine in my Powerade. I can't score goals unless I'm like speedball level hyped up. And how many goals did you have that season? Zero. I was bad. Worst part was I was technically JV for most of the season. You know, Allie was supposed to go with us, but she broke her leg. I know. No, was a bitch. God, I should have never been on that plane. Yeah, that must still be so hard to reckon with. No, literally, they begged me not to get on it. Everyone was very clear about that. They had another replacement lined up, but I glued my little hands to Travis's luggage and the rest was herstory, girl power. Okay, so it's 6 a.m., everyone's mad at you. And I go off to the woods to eat some dirt. But again, not in like some weird werewolf way. Just wanted to try that sweet, sweet dirt. It's broad daylight. Everyone can see it. I'm like eight feet away. But then they get in their heads that I'm like... Possessed? No, a total liability, like a real wild card. I think they already knew that. Then Ty gets pissed. I think it was partially guilt at the whole alley thing, but partially because I started gnawing on a cuticles. Laura Lee starts praying for me, but too late. I already sold my soul for Bon Jovi tickets, which I traded to Natalie for blow. So then Lottie freaks out and has this premonition that I'm going to shit my pants, which then I immediately do on cue just to prove I can. It came true. Very freaky. (laughs) So then you break away and head out on your own. Oh, yeah, I had to get out of there, which is such a shame because I took off like eight minutes before all the lesbian stuff started. So how did you get rescued? Obviously, there's a lot of mystery there for the rest of the girls, but you're still alive. So clearly you got out of there. Okay, so three days later, I find this black box in the woods and God damn it, if it doesn't totally still work. I find out later Misty kicked it, I guess. But it survived a plane crash, so it pretty obviously would also survive a small girl throwing it. I tried to warn the girls, but by the time I got back to camp, they were already gone. Oh, except for one straggler, which I also ate. You love the cannibal stuff. And I do it again. Brandon Nevins, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm on season two as one of Juliet Lewis's neighbors. She doesn't remember me, and then I go away. The Forgotten Yellow Jacket, everybody. After we got off the call, she mailed me sauce and prep instructions for a human pot roast. So spooky. I'm probably not going to cook and eat that. Oh, it was for my body. I I get it now. And now my final flame. How do you sum up Tom Brady's career? Do you do it in words? Maybe words mixed with video clips. And okay, I'm describing man in the arena. Well, now that I've covered the two ways you could theoretically sum up Tom Brady's career, I've decided to go with words. Brady attained a level of greatness that we may never see again in this league. And when he departs, he'll be leaving a tremendous hole. And not just atop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers depth chart and in their GM office and in their head coach's office. So in tribute, 
I thought I would read a poem I wrote the morning after Brady's first Super Bowl victory in New Orleans. This has never been read before. On a recording, I read it to the neighborhood children every Christmas Eve. Here goes nothing and everything. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. One drive to infamy, one yard at a time, one foot in front of the other. A patriot when our country most needed a refresher of the red, white, and blue. You too did the halftime show. Swing it to Falk. Swing, swing. Touchdown, Troy Brown. Tie lawyer Malloy and the boy. The Brady boy. His future bright, his smile white. The Wolverine on the winning team. His first title a curiosity. His next, it will come against the Panthers. That is the prophecy. A swirling bead, the eye of the storm, ere night upon the eve. Someday he will cause Donovan McNabb to heave. Mid-game, 18-1, a perfect season, spoiled! Ah, my head, it throbs with the visions. Spirits, why have you chosen to visit me? And why is the ghost of Brady Future pointing at a grave? That's my grave! It has my name upon it! Who, oh... And also, I am seeing one of his tight ends will go to jail for a murder? That can't be right. So, farewell, Tom Brady. That was the poem I wrote in 2002. Or is it farewell? Can anything truly fair ever be done so well? But seriously, did you tell Adam Schefter first just so you could not confirm it and make ESPN look dumb? God, so badass. My thanks to Taylor Lautner and Anna Caligari, the Forgotten Yellow Jacket. See you next Thursday for Super Bowl Week!